0: everybody. Uh, It has been wonderful to be able to gather together and to worship today. And we continue a message series entitled Do-Over. And if you were here last week, we said, you know what, isn't it great that 2021 might be a do-over? At least I thought that in the first two weeks haven't gone up that great. But uh, we hold on to hope that hopefully 2021 can be a do-over. But we weren't just talking about culturally. We were talking about spiritually saying, you know what, the truth is there's a whole lot of individuals at the beginning of a calendar year that say, you know what, God, I need to do over, especially after 2020. God, I I need to depend on you more. I need to trust you more. I need to learn more about you. I need to maybe for the very first time give Jesus a chance in my life to pour into me and to give me wisdom because I've watched my friends and I've watched what they do and uh, they've got something that I desire. Maybe that's your story today. And as a church, we say there's three ways for us to, to be more like Jesus. And we say it's uh, through up, being up, being in, being out. And let me explain up in our relationship, personal relationship with Him. Inwardly, we're going to talk a lot about that today about building a community around us to make sure that they can hold us up when we need held up, um, but also to support when they need supported. And then obviously, uh, we talked about outwardly. And that's not just focusing on ourselves, but focusing on the needs of others in our community in our family, in our friendships to make sure that we can shine the light of Jesus Christ. Well, today's story um, is a powerful one. It's well known in Christian circles, but I'm excited to share it with you because there's some context that that I don't think a lot of you know just historically, and it will shed a different light on this story and make us all look at it in a different way. Right now, if you were to travel to Israel on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, there is an excavated city of old called Capernaum. It's there even today. And if you walk in, you can actually see the gate where Capernaum started, the road that would have taken you into Capernaum. That would have been the place where Jesus would have met a guy by the name of Matthew, who was a tax collector. And you could stand there and see that place and picture that interaction. If you go a little bit further on, you can actually see an excavated temple, the place where Jesus Christ would have actually spoke. Um, and you could see different levels of temples that were built, rebuilt, rebuilt through the centuries right there. And that And actually, if you move a little bit south of that temple, there is an excavated home that is Peter's home, his mother-in-law's home, where Jesus Christ visited very often. Well, the story is right in this city, right in this town. And Jesus Christ is going to be teaching. There's going to be a crowd that's going to gather. And something amazing and incredible is going to happen because there are four individuals that are going to exercise extreme faith and showing others what it means to have community. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump to Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says this, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside of the door. Now, one thing that I want to bring into light, if, if you're a studier of Scripture, in the book of Mark, Mark, throughout his writings, he loves the word crowd. He loves talking about groups of people. And you might say, well, why is this? You'll see this as a theme. And the reason why is, is Mark noticed that during this time, and all in Jesus' ministry, that there were several individuals within the crowd that were trying to hold people back from understanding, learning, experiencing, and being impacted by the teachings of Jesus. So in Mark, when you see in this book and you see the author write this, he writes to let you know not only is there a crowd of people around this, but there are some people that absolutely love hearing about Jesus. But there's a whole lot of people that are standing by the door, that are standing inside, that are standing there like this saying, mm 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 mm. You know, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to believe this. I want to find any way that I can to trap Jesus, trick Jesus, anything that he says that is different. I want to make sure that nobody thinks that this guy is that special. We continue the story in verse 2, and it says this. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a Now, right off the bat, you see these four men, they have an individual that they're carrying on a mat, a paralyzed man. There's not much that's known about the paralytic. There's not much that's known about his life. But one thing that we can definitely understand is the culture of the day. And if you're taking notes, and by the way, I encourage you to download our Ocean View app. All the notes of today's message are in that app. You don't have to spend time necessarily writing if you don't like to, but you can go back. You can save those notes. And so the first thing that I want to share as we talk and as we learn about what it means to be in community is these four individuals taught us that you have to choose community. You have to choose community. would say, well, Terry, how, how do you know this? How can you glean this from this picture? Well, culture teaches us that because here are four men that are obviously so connected with this paralyzed man that they have a strong community. Well, that was absent in the culture of the day. Back during these times, there were many different groups of people, and I wanna share with you how they treated individuals with special needs. Did you know that the Greeks, Greeks gave no value to individuals with special needs. If an individual was born and had an infirmity or abnormality, immediately they will be discarded. They wouldn't give a, be given a chance at life. They were looked at someone as it's better to kill them off now than to let them struggle. Did you know this? That the Romans, that actually in 5th century, um, the Romans had a statue. Do you know what the statue said? They excavated and they looked at it. It said this. It said, immediately kill anyone with a deformity. Any deformed child must be killed. So you're beginning to see the kind of environment that a paralyzed man would live in. You see, when this paralyzed man would be carried around or would be seen, he would be laughed at. Do you want to know why? Because in his culture, the Jewish culture, it was thought of that if you had an abnormality, that it was because and due to the sin in your life, the sin of your parents' life. You don't believe me? Actually, do you know Jesus speaks of it? Take a look at John nine, one through two. It says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Do you see what happens? The disciples, they don't even give another option. They say the reason why he's blind has to be for one of two reasons. It's either because of his sin or it's because the sin of his parents, which gives you an understanding that even Jesus' disciples looked at individuals with special needs and said there's something wrong with that individual. So when we go back and we say you need to choose community, it's such a lesson because here are four individuals That their hearts were impacted by such a way that they made a choice to stand in front of culture, no matter what culture said about this individual, no matter what culture says to do to this individual, that we love this individual, and we are going to stand with this individual, and we're going to choose to have community with this individual, and everybody says, you're crazy. And that's what it means to be a Christ follower. You see, it takes courage sometimes to give community to someone that others won't. And do you know we're taught in the church to be in community? The first church did that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says this. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Together in unity, they broke bread. Together in unity, they prayed together. They had community. So here's my question to you before we even continue. Who's your community? I read something, Gene Roddenberry, if you're a a Trekkie fan. Sorry, this is not in my notes, but it just popped in my head, so I'm going to say it. Gene Roddenberry, he once said, one of the greatest challenges in life is to find two individuals that you can share your heart and soul with. And so I have a question. Who's your community? If you had to think right now, who's an individual that I could call right now and I could bear my soul and they would not reject me, but they would stand with me, they would pray with me, they would love me. Who is that individual? I got done preaching the first service and I had one of our members come up to me and immediately said, besides your wife, who's the one person? And I could rattle off right off the bat. Not only could I rattle one, I could probably rattle off about four more that I have in my circle because you have to choose community. You know, some of you say, well, Terry, what does community mean? I'll give you a definition. The requirement for true community is unhurried time. Who in your life would you drop things to say, I will make time for you. I will make you a priority. There's a second point that I want you to take down. It's this. Community can break physical and spiritual barriers. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 2 verse 4. It says this. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Notice how Mark continues. The crowd, crowd was too great. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, What's amazing about this, and some people who might be on the fence, whether Jesus was the son of God or not, maybe you're just kind of just putting your toes in the water with regards to Christianity, you might look at this and say, okay, I mean, is this story real? I mean, they just climbed up to the roof and then they went made a hole, they dropped them down and all this happened. Well, if you've ever been to Israel and you've ever seen the way they construct homes, typically most homes have direct access to their roofs. In fact, um, there's a story that comes from a commentary that I use, that's called the Talmud. And in the Talmud, it speaks of history and it speaks of things that have happened. And it speaks of a funeral of a rabbi back in 297 AD. And what happened is, is you had an individual and apparently he was a rather large teacher. And so they went ahead and they put him on a beer, not B-E-E-R. I know it's the playoffs for football, but let's give it a pause. It's B-I-E-R. That was a joke and y'all are just way too serious right now. Let's laugh it up a little bit, okay? B-I-E-R. And so they put the body on this beer. And it's a cart, a mat, or something that you roll a body into a funeral service. Well, apparently this man was so large that when they took the cart and they were carrying this cart in with the body, they got to the door and they couldn't fit the man through the door. So what they had to do is they had to climb the steps to the roof and they actually lowered the body into the floor. However culturally speaking, you might say, well, Terry, was this a normal thing back then? I mean, you know, what would Jesus have thought if they would have lowered? What would Peter have thought if all of a sudden his roof was collapsing in? Would he be mad? Is this cultural? Well, let's take a look at actually what the Talmud says about this funeral and see how they felt. And this is a quote, we learned from him that the honor of a teacher requires access through a door. So immediately you see, it's like, okay, we we will do that in emergency situations, but we'd like people to go through the door. So could you imagine the people, they're standing there, and all of a sudden, there's thatch falling through. There's dirt falling in the Son of God's hair. The Son of God is sharing, and somebody interrupted. How would you like to be the person to interrupt God? Oh! But you see, these friends, they had a strong community. And they had a heart for this man. And they believe with every fiber in their being that their actions were warranted. And so all of a sudden, Jesus, I can imagine everyone going, oh, Peter going, what are you doing? I mean, I can just see Peter right now going, oh my gosh, it's going to cost me a fortune. And he backs up and the man is lowered in front of Jesus. And everybody watches to see what Jesus Christ will do. And this gives you picture into the heart of God. Take a look at the next verse. Seeing their faith, notice, seeing their, not seeing the individual, but looking up and seeing four knuckleheads on top of a roof, lowering a man down, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, notice the words Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. My child, everyone in this room thinks you're discarded waste. My child, everyone in this room thinks your parents or you did something wrong. So in order to be able to appease the ones around, I'm going to heal you by using words that are going to make them understand two things. Number one, I am the son of God and have the authority to heal and to forgive sins. That was powerful. But number two, I'm also going to make sure they never look at you again and think that you've done something wrong or your parents have done something wrong. If you have special needs in this audience or watching online, you've lived a life where everybody has given you attention of the wrong kind. You've lived your life being mocked at. You've lived your life being looked down at. You've lived your life wishing you could be a part of the crowd and looking at individuals look down on you, mock you, laugh you, or not have community with you because of your infirmity. And Jesus Christ stands and what a lesson and looks at you and me and says, you know what, just to appease these individuals who don't know what they're thinking or talking about, your sins are forgiven. What a powerful message that Jesus has. You can go to sleep if you want for the next two points, but I'll wake you up at the last. Here's the third point if you want to write it down. Community reveals character. It reveals character. We don't know anything about this paralyzed man. You haven't heard this paralyzed man say one thing in the scripture, have you? But it reveals community. His brothers have revealed his character. Here's the truth. The paralyzed man didn't say anything. The paralyzed man didn't do anything. Nothing is known about the paralyzed man except he had an amazing community of friends. Well, then, Terry, why would Jesus Christ heal this man? I mean, why didn't he interview him? I mean, it's a teaching forum. Everybody's watching. Why didn't he say to the paralyzed man, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you believe in me. Why would he just go right off without even saying anything and say your sins are forgiven? Well, Jesus gives us insight into that. Because there's something about a Christian that gives insight into their hearts. I say all the time here at Ocean View, it's really, really important to shine your light, to allow people to see the integrity and the character of your heart through your actions, not just through your words. And Jesus speaks to this. Take a look at this in John fifteen eight. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. See, here's the truth. The paralyzed man, next slide, please. The paralyzed man didn't have to say anything. In a world where his condition would either cause him to be discarded or cause him to think only of himself, this man developed a community of friends that were inspired to do anything to help him. This showed the man's heart, courage, and faith. And that's why Jesus Christ rewarded it. If you're a parent in this room, you know this simple fact. And it's something that we say to our kids all the time. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Why is it that when we become adults, we care less about the community and the people that we hang around with? When we're a parent of a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old or a 7- and 8-year-old, we take that seriously. We need to to make sure that they don't hang out with those friends. They're a bad influence. We need to make sure that we don't allow him to do this. They're a bad influence. Then why is it when we become 21 or 22? We don't think about the kind of company that we keep. And by the way, I'm not saying you shun people who sin. I'm saying that we have the authority as believers in Christ to choose our community. Community that we need to minister to, but community that needs to build us up and we need to build them up. And this individual had such amazing community of friends. We continue on. It says this in Mark 2, 6 through 12. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Don't miss this. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said this, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like that this before. Jesus said, pick up your mat and go home. The man didn't just stand up. He jumped up. I read an article this week about an individual who was just injured on a rock climbing expedition. They fell and they broke. And I believe this is their femur. They broke their femur. They had three months being off of their feet. And I read her testimony. She was going through the, the rehabilitation. And she said, when I finally got clearance to put weight on my leg. I could not stand on my own. I had to have assistance. And it took me four months to learn to walk again like I used to because the atrophy of my muscles and all that I have in my legs had dissipated. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is able to give not only spiritual health, but he looked at that man and healed his, his tendons. He, he healed his muscles. That man had not walked in years, if ever. And Jesus not only forgave him of his sin, but that man jumped up and stood on his feet and ran for the very first time in his life. So community doesn't just, you know, isn't a great thing to be able to get to pray for you. Community can restore your body, your heart your soul. If it wasn't for those four individuals, that person would not have had the ability to be able to have the strength. Here's the truth. Community can give you the strength to stand and to walk on your feet again. There are some of you that have given up There are some of you that your relationship with God has not gotten any better and you've just given up. You've tried different methods, you've tried different things. It could be finances, it could be diet, it could be exercise, and you've just given up. And the lesson from this paralyzed man is this man had no hope whatsoever. But because he chose community and they chose him, this man's life was changed forever and everybody was stunned. You don't think God has the power to change your life? Then man, we gotta work on your faith. Because God shows that he has the power to restore you. Here's the last point and I'm done. And if you fell asleep during those two points like I gave you permission to, you can wake up now. Because I really want you to lean on us. Community carries your mat. That individual was carried in to that home on a mat. And we don't think about that mat much, do we? That mat is just an adjective to the story. But that mat is much more. You see, that mat carried much more than his body. That mat carried years of depression. That mat carried years of insults. That mat carried years of doubt. That mat carried a lot of years of worthlessness in this man's Life. I can imagine this man looking at his friends and saying, what are you doing? There is no hope nothing's going to change. You see, we don't even think, we think, oh, the guy was really excited, no, no, no. I think that guy on the mat looked at his friends and said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Let's give up, there's too many people. They're all going to mock me. They're going to tell me, my parents, it's their fault for my sin. I don't wanna face that again. I don't wanna deal with this again. What are you guys doing? Just drop me down, leave me alone. And those four friends said, no, there is hope. Yeah, I've heard it before, I've seen it before. Nothing's going to change my future. I gave up a long time ago. And many of you in this room, you carry that mat. You carry that same kind of mat every single day. It could be in your business. It could be in your finances. It could be in your relationship. It could be in your marriage. You carry that mat and you hang on tight to that mat. Maybe your mat's insecurity. Maybe your mat's shame. Maybe for some of you, it's control. Maybe for some of you, it's anger. Maybe a lack of trust. And the reason why some of you hold on to that mat so much is because something happened in your past that you're so guilty of that you just can't let it go. See, I think the most amazing part of that story is that man when Jesus said, take up your mat. It was as if Jesus said, that mat that has carried you, you stand up and you take hold of that mat and you run out here on your own two feet. Will you allow your community to see your mat today? And will you allow them to carry it? You see, community does much more than just be a bunch of friends. Community can give hope where there is no hope. Community can say to someone who has given up, get on your feet, get your butt out the door. You're going to go do this and you're going to succeed. I don't know about you, but I need community in my life. I need community to pray for me. I need community to be there for me to celebrate. But you know where else I need community? I need community to tell me when I'm wrong. If you don't have a community that you trust, you're never wrong. You ever think about that? Because when you go around, if you don't know someone and they look at you and say, you're a jerk, you know, well, you're a jerk, I don't even know you, get out of my face. But if you have someone that's close to you and say, hey, Terry, you're acting like a jerk. Oh, they love me. They're my community. They know me. I might get defensive in the moment, but I might need to go and think, gosh, why would he say that to me? Man, I must have done something Wrong. Community is far more important than you could ever realize. And if you allow your community to grab your mat, your life can be changed. So, who's your community? If I were to say right now, off the top of your head, what's the name of the person or the two people that you have community with and you know that you're there for them and they're there for you and they're gonna be honest with you and they're gonna encourage you into the right things of life. If you don't have that answer today, it's time for you to choose community. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for this message and Right now, I pray for everyone in the room that has faced what this man, this paralytic man faced. God, no one knows the hurt, the shame, the doubt, the depression. And so if you're in this room or if you're watching online and you have faced this because it has been an infirmity that you didn't ask for but that you have, today you need to know that you have hope. Today you need to know that Jesus Christ carries your mat. And so today in this room online, I pray that you'd pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are the author and giver of life. Thank you that whatever I face in you can make me stronger. Thank you that you, if I desire in my heart to choose community, you will work with me every day. And God, if I work hard, I can find individuals around me, to encourage me, uplift me, support me. And God, forgive me for the times that I don't thank them enough for what they do in my life. So today, Lord, thank you for that truth. Thank you for the example that you gave. And thank you that there is hope in Jesus Christ. For it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.